you're listening to the No One Special Podcast, a weekly interview show where guests go from stranger to special within the hour. We're your hosts, Shannon Dugan. And Michael Means. And today we're talking with Jeff Kaplan. Welcome. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for being on had. the show. Yeah. Be famous somehow. Mm-hmm. This is not the way. <laughs> <laughs> Got to start somewhere, right? Hey, right. you don't. You never know. It's good One practice. day, <laughs> it's good practice. It's good practice. Yeah, Got to start somewhere. Live, 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 live in real ish. time. Live in real time. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna have you lead the questions. I can do that. Okay. I know most of them. Jeff, okay. our first question is always, "What do you do?" Tell us a little bit about you. What you do I do? Well, mm-hmm. I have been in the hospitality business for close to 30 years now. And currently, uh, I run a hotel here in Covington on the river. The Embassy Suites by Hilton. Okay. River Center. Shout out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm okay with that. That's... Yeah, yeah. But um, So we know what you do now professionally, but that right. doesn't really tell us much about what you actually do. Professionally, or or when you're off recreationally, well, that's some yeah, I don't know. Off the clock. Off the clock. I'm always on the clock. I uh, can appreciate recreationally, that. Recreationally, yeah. love spending time with my family and drinking good bourbon. Yeah, we just heard a little bit about that because you're fundraising right now. Yeah, so we, I have a, I'm part of a group of seventeen hundred local northern kentucky folks in our uh i did not realize it was that large yes it's a uh, fairly large group okay. all, all local the uh local juice club we call it and uh so currently we do a fundraiser we do several fundraisers uh throughout the year uh so i have been in the group just over two years uh in the two and a half years in the group we are up to 279 thousand dollars donated to fundraising awesome. uh, all from a bunch of bourbon enthusiasts so our one of our i guess our main lifelines is the uh, emergency shelter of northern kentucky um it's got a holds a, a really a close place in my heart so we we do a lot of work for them um we do a lot of fundraising for various things we've we've done it for probably 15 16 17 different causes but um every year we wrap up the end of the year and uh, have just a really big push with a lot of bottles, uh, cool items donated, really some big ticket bottles that are sort of hard to get your hands on. Right. Um, all in an effort to raise funds for the emergency shelter. And uh, currently they're going through a, a, a tough spot right now and uh, they're, they're in the process of finding a, a second facility to be able to house more people. Right. Um, so... <clears throat> funding is obviously a big thing for them. Uh, last year, we donated 42000 I believe, to the shelter, and it made up uh, close to 10% of their annual budget. Wow. 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 So, yeah, you know, pretty pretty big thing. So this year, we're, I, I don't know where we'll end up uh, total-wise, close to that forty-two, but this uh, one, two, uh, I guess about a three-week stretch leading up to the event on December 6th, we are going to raise about $25,000. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're at about 15, 16,000 right now. And uh, 
all through some raffles for, for different various bottles and events and people just donate money um, hoping to get a chance at a random shot at winning one of these really sought after bottles and if they don't win but the money just goes to a good cause so uh, we wrap up the event December 6th and uh, we'll do some more more uh, raffles and uh, different cool things at that event to bring in some more money so it's uh, you know it, at the end of the day it's a it's a group of a bunch of guys and girls and so I think we're up to like 8% women now in the group it started yes. it was like 2% women when I first start, got into the group but um, <laughs> hang out have a great time a lot of bourbon a lot of fun a lot of silliness I'm sure but uh, I, for me the, the root of it is the fundraising aspect and it's uh, what I'm most proud of so uh, that's a big part of uh, I guess a, a big part of my life and kind of what goes on so out, outside of running the hotel um, and I use the hotel as a platform, I guess, so to say. I don't, I mean, not necessarily a platform, but I, I have done a lot of things through the hotel. We, we donate a lot of our uh, used linens that we can't use at the hotel anymore. You know, you get something that has one little spot on it, you can't put it in a hotel room. Right. But for somebody who's homeless and doesn't have a shower or a bed, um, they're happy to have that. So uh, we donate every month, uh, I don't know, I'd say probably close to 40 or 50 pounds of... Uh, linen and uh every now and then send over some shampoo and some conditioners whatever kind of right. things can help uh this month now that they're going into this second uh facility they needed a means to be able to move things around so i have a couple of old laundry carts that we don't use so i donated those to them, gave them to them this month for that so anything i can do to help I, yeah all it seems like you're always looking for a way to like kind of give back yeah that's amazing um, i think it's important you know yeah i, I, I think that's really what all of us should are, are here to do is to, to help others and give back. But yes, you know, I have tried to, I guess, stress to my kids as long as they've been around that, you know, I guess sometimes things are tough and you have tough days and some things really hurt, but really no matter what, there's somebody out there who has it worse than who you. Who has it worse than you for Absolutely. sure. So I, I, you know, I, I'm not the richest guy and I don't know everything, but um, really try to do what we can to help. So it means a lot. It, it, it you know, like I said, it, it touches my heart. And so I, I don't know if it's, like I said, using the hotel and, and the group as a platform, but you know, you got 1700 local people who have a, a good amount of disposal income and you know, why not have one less drink or buy one less bottle and help somebody out. So, you know, I can't put a number, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but you know, a certain amount of dollars gives somebody a bed for the night. So you know, if we can raise, get this fundraiser up to 25000 it it keeps a lot of people off the streets for a lot of nights. Which is amazing. It's such a good cause. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun, too. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So where, are they where are they located in northern Kentucky? The shelter is in... It's over by me. It's in Covington. Over, yep. It's on uh, Scott. Yeah. Uh, I want to say about 8th in Scott. Okay. Right, right in, That's the one I always see. A little see. further down, I think, actually. Maybe 10th, 11th, 12th. But right up in that area. It's um, building with the sunflowers. Yes, yes. they yes. did like a pop up um, park yep. there over yep. the summer, right? Yep. And I think it used to be the old Mad Hatter. 
could be. I don't. Right there. There's like Popeyes and stuff. It's right there. It's yes. right across from the library. Yes. Right. Okay. So I see people all the time. Yeah. So they're looking for a new location right now. Yeah. They they've they've got a second location sort of in the works. It's mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that it's been released yet. So they're working on it. But yeah. Right. They, they're just trying to keep as many people as they can off the streets. Yeah, which is such a good cause. Uh, a lot of new fire codes have. I don't know if they're new, but they've really started enforcing fire codes, and so they've been limited in mm-hmm. their space and what they can do. So yeah, now they've got a they're working on a second building, and so yeah, I think it's now you know it's always important to give back. Yeah. Um, but I think now more than ever, um, yeah. I, I don't know it, it 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 strikes a chord deep with me, and uh, you know. I, well, and it's awesome that you can do something that you enjoy, or it's centered around something that you're passionate about. Yeah. But then also another one of your passions, which is giving back to the community, which is a great thing to find. I don't think you find that everywhere, you know? It's not like everybody's hobby comes along with, like, another really um, rewarding thing. Yeah, it's it's been it it makes it for a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and you know, I can't take all the credit. I kind of walked into it. You know, I got into the bourbon group close to three years ago, and it was sort of something they did, um, maybe not in this capacity, um, but oh, the, okay. the, the donations were a thing that we've done. But like I said, in the two and a half years since I started, we started off small, but we're, we're close to, like I said, 280,000. I think by the time we're done with this fundraiser, we'll, we'll hit, we'll, we'll cross over $300,000 of, of funds raised and donated, um, all from a bunch of guys drinking bourbon. I know, right? That's so cool. <laughs> or, or I guess not drinking guys bourbon. Guys and gals. And, and gals, yes. And gals. trying to drink that bourbon 8%. if you can get that bottle. <laughs> yes. I, I agree that's really, I think that's says a lot that not just are you doing it with your charity, but even your professional, you're looking for ways to give back. I think right. that just that little fact, like, okay, so it's not just... Oh, but also we're helping out. It's like no, we're helping out and we're having fun, as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. Right. I think. I think that's definitely. And, and we have the means admirable. to do so. You know, I, if if we couldn't, it would be different. But um, we we have the ability, so why not? You know, yeah. it's a it's a it's a great cause, and, and like you said, it's a lot of fun, and 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 a lot of great relationships have come through it too. Um, oh, I'm sure you meet all kinds of people. Yeah, met, I've, you know, and it's funny. This you know, you in this big area I guess big city you think of Covington but it's really a, a really small very connected community and you come across the same people and run across the same patterns and so yeah I've uh, met a lot of a lot of people through it and um, I guess a lot of influential people in the city yeah um, but uh, it, it's helped to to really drive the direction and raising money awesome uh, yeah yeah I always feel I grew up in Cincinnati well, so the east side, whatever. I don't know. We just, we're east not going to get into east side, west side stuff. <laughs> but uh, we, I feel like it comes up every episode now. It's just ridiculous. I didn't, I didn't say anything about it. I know, but you, I looked at you. <laughs> I looked at you. Right now, uh, now, I know. Now it's been laid but out for you. I've always heard that northern Kentucky is like a small town, but it's since living here and moving here, it's, I feel like you get interconnected. And then you know somebody who knows somebody, yeah. and you're always like, how what like it's such a small town yeah. kind of feel uh, for a little sure bit. Right. not feel but like i don't know in yeah. a way no it sure. is I, yeah you know, we we moved here just three years ago and didn't know anybody and I, you know now everywhere i go i bump into somebody that right we know so and i you know I, through that bourbon group you got 1700 people who are not that i know all 1700 people but they're all local so 
Somewhere Local to Northern Kentucky or to this Greater no, Cincinnati? Northern, Northern Kentucky. Kentucky, Greater Cincinnati, sort of within a 50-mile radius of, of the river. Okay. Um, but, you know, you take 1,700 people and they're intertwined in almost everything you do, I guess. Oh, I'm sure. For There's me, somebody... I do a lot of bourbon-related events. But, yeah, they're, you know, I go to different businesses or restaurants or parties. There's always some, a bump into something. No, you're, yeah. Like, I, I love Cincinnati. I love where I grew up, but I don't know. There's something about Northern Kentucky I've really come to enjoy as well. So I think we're in the same, we've realized in the, you know, in the next two years, we're thinking about getting our next house and where is that going to be? Is that going to be back where my family is or where was home before this area? Anderson. Okay. So still Still not that far, same area, but I'm not different state. But when we talk about, are we going to go across the river, go back across the river? We're oh, like, oh, I no. don't know. Cross the river. Cross oh, the my. river. <laughs> Mike's not coming across the river. I didn't say that. I'm just, I which, thought you did last, last, last no, episode. No, I said I'm, that's my my two options. I'm either going to the west side or... Oh, or northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky. So yeah. you're on I the, do like so it. So you're on the yeah. bad side I'm, of the river. I'm on the bad side and pretty far east. So. <laughs> Like pretty for the pretty extended far greater for Cincinnati area. I don't know. Well. I got to tell you, I, I like a lot of what I see mm-hmm. on that side of the river. Mm-hmm. Call it what you want, but listen, I, I was just driving um, South Lebanon. I don't know Mainville, mm-hmm. and I drove past where they're going to build that new Kings Mills like brewery place. That place looks awesome. I mean, it's still just like a giant. Looks like a giant old parking garage. Yeah, weird. You got to start somewhere. Gotta start somewhere. It's yeah, gonna be I, cool. I, I love the Cincinnati area. I think it's probably you know. For, I grew up in Miami, Florida. Okay. You, you grew up in Miami. The last place you, I'm sure it's probably a lot of places you don't <laughs> think about, but one of the places you never think of going is Cincinnati, Ohio. It's cold, right. It's cold and what's there, and it's the middle of nowhere. And but I tell you, I think it's probably one of the most underrated areas in the country. It's phenomenal. I mean, what what isn't here? We've got sports, music. Great food. I mean, it's a foodie town. I think over the last, I don't know. I don't know what the truth is to this, but over the last 20 years or so, it's really grown into something more. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that Cincinnati, Ohio will ever be a destination. You know, people aren't like, hey, we're getting getting a lot of articles written about us, I feel like. I don't don't know that. (laughs) No, a destination vacation destination. But there's a lot of cool Not like Miami. No, well, I mean, that's yeah, I know. completely different. But look at all the things that go on here. You know, you got Blink was here this yeah. year or, and two years ago, and that's sought after around the country. Um, you know, the Kentucky's Edge Bourbon Festival they did this year, which was sort of a flop, but, you know, a, <laughs> a, a big we event. We heard about it. <laughs> a big event nonetheless. But, no, I, I mean, there's a lot of great things that the city has to offer. You know, one of these days, one of the sports teams might be relevant and might be worthwhile going to see but uh, no poor, I, I, I think that poor man's still on the roof yeah well good lord I don't know that he's coming down this year I, I mean if, I was like is he gonna stay up there I mean they're not winning a game this year so when the season's over does he come down or does That's he wait till next year to maybe get a win yeah they, <laughs> there's, there's not a win in, there's not a win in sight and that poor guy is probably stuck on his roof oh my gosh yeah he may have made Did, that challenge a little prematurely yeah I mean like who didn't see a bad season coming well because I don't think Anybody thinks you're not going to win a game. I mean, eventually you win one, right? I, I don't know that. I know 
now that you want to knock Miami, I, I know there was a Dolphins team that went undefeated and was all wins. I don't know that there's a team that's uh, always had. I think Cleveland did it not that long ago. All losses? Whole year, not yeah. a single win. Did they? I think I so. Think you, I think you are. They, they went pretty poorly for Within two years. Within the last five or six years. I don't know about not winning a game. I'm not going to get into it because I feel like I'm just gonna, it's going to be the PETA thing all over again. I'm up in just going to put this on the record because I don't know where else I'll be able to say it that it right. matters. But I'm going to say you think they, none. I think they end 0-16. That's my opinion. They look pathetic. They'll work it out. Yeah. You can't win them all, right? Maybe just or one. any of them, or, yeah. or any of them for that matter. <laughs> yes, we, we we shall see. But right, uh, right. we've got what four weeks left to pull one together. Just don't see it happening. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I'm not emotionally invested in it. So oh, okay, not at all. So I, I'm just a sports fan, and uh, you just yeah, yeah. It can only take so much heartbreak. Yeah, so. yeah, so. I get it. Well, um, Jeff, you told us you were from Miami, raised in Miami. Mm-hmm. So our next question is actually where, where are you from? from? <laughs> but um, we take it kind of like not only literally, but tell us a bit about your background. Like where are you coming from? My background. Um, you know, I have a strong family background. Um, family is very important to me. Um, I also think as you get older in this life, you start to look at things a little differently and things kind of come into more, per- more into perspective. But uh uh, family is a, a big part of what I do every day and yeah. why I do what I do. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's anything better. And uh, it's been, a, I guess, a big part of who I am. And, and I think that's a big part of everybody, how you grow up and how you're raised. So, yeah, family is a big part of who I am. Um, you know, as we talk on this, I guess, Thanksgiving Eve, you know, yeah. talk about what you have to be thankful for. So I'm, I'm thankful for, for my family. Um, I, I don't know that there's anything as important, really. No, I don't think, I think, I agree. <laughs> I think most, uh, everybody in here probably agrees. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, where I'm from. That's what I, it's about. Know, yeah. You know, Keeping I, those, t- even though I feel like, even though it can get tough sometimes, it's like, this is what matters. This is what's important. This is what we have. In the end, it's your family. That's it. Yeah. I, I, that's your, should be your rock. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, where I'm from, you know, I, I'm a, I'm just a laid back, easy going guy and I, I don't really care for drama and, and negativity, I guess, is the biggest thing. And uh, so, you know, I try to, I'm, I'm grateful for every day. I'm, I'm thrilled to, you know, I have a joke with all my guys at work. They say, how, how, how you doing today? I'm like, I'm great. I, I woke up, made it to work, building still standing. I mean, hey, it's a great day. Healthy, have that, a great family. I, yeah, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm ready to go. So for me, that that's kind of it. I, I'm, You know, life is short, and I know it's kind of cliche, but you really start to look at things that way, and you start to appreciate things a lot mm-hmm. more, and, you know, maybe not take things for granted as much. Um, yeah, but, I feel like recently, I don't know, it, it's like not to get you're crazy not deeper. Oh, like right, right, right. It's like um, recent experiences in my life. It's like you're not guaranteed anything. Nope. You're not guaranteed anything. So like, when I see people who are like doing certain things, I'm like, you need to take the time and just do this because you're not guaranteed anything. And when are you going to get the chance? Like, that's you know, slow down, enjoy life, and mm-hmm. you know, don't don't sweat things so much. It's it's not the end of the world. Right. And, uh, life goes on. And, you know, I, I 
just think that's a big part of it. I, I just really try to enjoy things and enjoy people and times. You know, that's a, not to go back to the bourbon, but that's a big part of it. I love sharing bourbon with people, good bourbon, and, and creating memories and hanging out. And, you know, there's just nothing better than the, the stories and the good times and the memories you make from it. And that's, right. you know, that's what you have. So, yeah, I, you know, I just take it one day at a time. I'm, I'm very grateful for every day. And like you said, nothing is promised. And, you know, you never know. Yeah. Maybe I'm not going to do this today or I'll get to that tomorrow or I'll think of this another time. But, you know, he didn't plan on not coming home that day and not to change the mood. But, you know, it's just... I mean, it was the know. truth, though. You, I mean, I feel know. like we think about certain things certain times of years. Like, you know, with your work with the homeless shelter, you're thinking about what these people don't have. And I'm sure... And you never know what somebody's going through. And you're, you got to be thankful for what you have, I Absolutely. think, and not compare. Yeah, Absolutely. For sure. So, yeah. so how was it growing up in Miami, though? Um, it was fun. I mean, it was a blast. You guys lived in Florida up until three years ago. Did you live in Florida the whole time? So, no, actually, we have bounced around quite a bit. You know, being in the hotel business, I came up through food and beverage. Okay. Um, I started, I was a chef for many, many years. And, um, you know, I know the old cliche of don't, you know, you want to stay at a job for longevity and have years. Right. No one wants to hire the guy that's been at 18 jobs in the last 15 months and that kind of thing. But as a chef, you, you kind of got to move around because that's sort of how you learn. Um, right. Well, at least it was for me. I didn't go to culinary school. Um, I learned on the job and, you know. Okay. So you used to be a chef though. Yes. Okay. Still a chef at heart. I will always be a chef at heart. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a foodie, but yes, I went to school at USF and I left Miami, went to school at USF in Tampa. Um, I got my first real sort of cooking job there and it was like well I can go to work and get paid and make money and enjoy cooking or I can go to school it was like school cooking get paid and slowly the school yeah. kind of went away mm -hmm. and um, I wasn't going to school anymore and I just wanted to cook and so I moved I, I, I chased a, a girl to New York City and it was probably the best thing I ever did because I got into the really deep into the food and culinary business up in New York. I, I held three jobs up in New York and uh, just really immersed myself in the... In the, the culinary world. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I came up through food and beverage and, um, you know, I, I, I got very lucky. I, I moved to New York City and I had every intention of going to culinary school. That was the plan. And I bumped into a lady in the city one night and we were having drinks at a bar. I was don't think I was 21 yet, had a fake ID, and she was the human resources director for a company called Interstate Hotels. They were, at the time, the largest management company in the business, and we hit it off, and she set me up with an interview uh, the next week, and I interviewed, and they had a position open. They were trying to fill seasonal employment at the White Elephant Resort in Nantucket, Massachusetts. White Elephant Resort. Yes. Yeah, I don't even think it exists anymore. This is oh. going back uh, mid-90s, so, you know, <laughs> 20-plus years ago. But um, I had an interview with the chef, and uh, he was busy, and I tried to see him several times, and I waited to see him. And he's like, I, I just don't have time to do this. And I said, but I came here just for you, and this is what it's for. And he's like, well, can we reschedule? And I said, I, I, I can't. And he said, so let me take a look at your resume, and you have – no prior cooking experience, but Fridays, Bennigan's, and all those kind of things, and never worn a chef coat. I said, no. He said, and you're here doing this to get a job. So yeah, he said, well, I'm going to give you a shot, someone who wants to do that. And uh, 
they put me in a position out at uh, the White Elephant Resort. I started in a three-by-three screened-in box out by the pool, grilling burgers and dogs, and did a great job with it. And I got moved back into the kitchen and continued to excel there. And a, uh, a young chef from Long Island came out there on what they call task force just to help out. And uh, he and I hit it off, and he was opening, he was the chef selected, the exec chef, to uh, open a, a new restaurant that was being built uh, in Great Neck, New York, in Long Island. And he asked me to come there and uh, help him open this restaurant. And I did, and uh, that's kind of where it started. I, I got, you know, deep into food in, in New York, in New York City. So I, I worked out on Long Island, and I was a, a chef at this place at night. Um, I picked up a, uh, a job at a kosher deli in the mornings. I was in there before 6 a.m. just to just really be in the business and do more. And, and then I picked up a uh, two nights a week, a, a third shift uh, job at a local butcher shop out on Long Island just to learn how to properly cut meats. And um, I was a single guy at the time, so all I wanted to do was work. and Right, and learn. Yeah. yeah. And I spent several years in New York, and so I, I bounced around there. I worked at a corporate caterer downtown. Um, I worked in that hotel, and I moved up at that hotel, so I became the sous chef at that hotel. Um, and at the time, they didn't have, the executive chef was there for a while, and then he moved on. Um, I, I can't remember all the reasons, but um, there was nobody else, and I kind of just took the reins. I, I wasn't given the title, but sort of just took over and started to run the kitchen, and it, it just it led me from there. So I, the, they brought in a, the, the executive chef that left there, um, moved back to Florida and uh, was doing some different things. And I, we were, I went through a lot of different stages and met my soon to be wife and we started a family and uh, we wanted to leave New York because we couldn't afford it really with, you know, we're two kids in and having, oh, yeah, having I can't a third. Imagine. And I can't imagine. We're living in a basement apartment in Long Island, New York. It was, it was uh, kind of crazy, but uh, we, my, my family still lived down in South Florida, in Miami, and we were sort of looking to relocate back down to Florida, and there was a position at the Sawgrass Marriott, and I, growing up in Fort Lauderdale, there's an area, or growing up in Miami, there's an area in Fort Lauderdale called Sawgrass. Okay. I thought that's what it was. I thought we're clicking on the Sawgrass Hotel that's, you know, half hour away from where I grew up, and it turns out that it was the Sawgrass Marriott Resort and Spa in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, just outside of Jacksonville. And, um, I was, I was a really, I was a go-getter. I wasn't just going to submit a resume. So I called the hotel and, um, asked to speak to the executive chef directly. And I spoke to the ex to the exec chef and, uh, we talked for about maybe three minutes and I told him where I was at and what I was doing. And he said, wait, you, you were at the inn at Great Neck in Long Island, New York. I said, yeah. He said, I'll give you a call back. Hung up on me. And I'm like, Okay. Right. Like, was, uh, is he going to give me a call? Yeah. Back? I mean, it was the strangest thing ever. I mean, literally, we're, it wasn't even three minutes. Well, he calls me back not even five minutes later. And this is, and I didn't really know the volume of the place at the time. Like I said, we kind of stumbled across it by accident. I mean, literally. And uh, he called me back. And so he is, this is, he's the executive chef at a, it's a 600 plus room resort uh, with seven food outlets, 90,000 square feet of banquet space. They do $20 million in food and beverage revenue a year. Big, big place. Right. So he calls me back and he said, so you were at the, in a great neck. I said, yeah. He said, and your executive chef was uh, Joe Eisenbuckner. I said, yeah. And 
I remember that name. He was one of my first true chefs that I, I really learned a lot from. And he said, well, I hired Joe into the company about 20 years ago. And uh, Joe said, you're good to go. So tell me when you want to start. And I was like, uh, what? okay. <laughs> you know, and the old, uh, it's, no, it's not like what not, you know, it's who you it's know. It's who you know, I'm telling yeah. you. So we packed up and we moved from New York back down to Florida and uh, spent 11-ish years in uh, Jacksonville, Florida while I worked at that resort. And uh, it was the best thing that happened to me. And uh, Wow, small yeah, it's kinda, world. Kinda I can't crazy. get over that. Yeah. And so I started there as the position was food production manager. Um, and I started working in banquets and it was a banquet department where we fed between two to 3,000 people a day and you could be cooking 15 different menus or two different menus and um, I, I just, I, I flourished there and it worked out really well and I just moved up. and That's like huge. Yeah. I did banquets. I was a banquet captain for a while. and. Nice. But it was like a hundred people. Well, I was in charge of a hundred guests. Like not. Right. That was our maximum. I mean, I had well, no, I, I had no idea what I was doing. and then into. twenty, and then who knows what. But that's huge. Yeah, it was big, and I that's didn't know a lot of people. I don't know. I didn't know I, what I was getting into. That's a lot of people. It yeah, was, it was huge, and uh, I, I really, that's where I, I kind of learned. I, I had opportunities to do so many different things between the seven different outlets and, and yeah. the banquet facility. So I spent a lot of years there. I bounced around. I was the AM sous chef for a while. I got moved back and forth between banquets and to the restaurant. Eventually, I got promoted to to exec sous, and I was overseeing pretty much all of it. And I just bounced around. Um, I had 110 chefs underneath me at one point wow. in time. It was a big kitchen. Uh, 2002, I want to say it was. The hotel went into contingency. Some times were tough, and they cut off cut a lot of positions and a lot of people. And uh, they came to me and they said, hey, we, we need somebody to be the restaurant and bar manager. Um, the kitchen does such a great job on its own. You think you could do both? And so I spent about six months. I was still wearing a chef coat and managing the front of the house. Uh, Cafe on the Green was the first restaurant. It overlooks the 13th hole of the uh, Sawgrass Players Championship hole, the uh, tournament they have every year. And so it was uh, just an amazing experience for me to be able to learn uh, with all that was going on at the hotel. And uh, I left there in 06 to take my first executive chef position at the Palm Beach Gardens Marriott uh, down in Florida. Um, spent some time there. Then I went back to Sawgrass to be the chef there and sort of helped run the place there. And um, I spent, like I said, 11 years at Sawgrass running the place, and it was... Wow. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so, we, you know, we, I was talking about the moving around. So we went back to Palm Beach Gardens. We moved back to Jacksonville. Um, and then I took another exec chef position at the King and Prince Resort in St. Simons Island. So we didn't move to Georgia, but we moved from the south side oh, of Jacksonville. I was going to ask you, I was like, where is that? Yeah. So St. Simons Island, it is kind of like the Miami Beach of Georgia. It's an island Right off okay. uh, the Georgia coast. Yeah, Where? most most people know Jekyll Island, kind of, but uh, I don't know that. It's island a small, either, it's a okay. small barrier island, right okay, off yeah. right off the Georgia gotcha. coast. Uh, it's about an hour and a half north of Jacksonville. So we were probably I bet want to say two hours away from where we lived in Jacksonville at the time, on the south side. Jacksonville is a huge city, uh, so we relocated <laughs> to the north side of Jacksonville. <laughs> And I spent a year and a half commuting an hour and 20 minutes each way 
six, yeah. sometimes seven days a week uh, to this place. And it was amazing. The King and Prince Resort, it was on the ocean. Uh, my dining room stopped right here and the ocean literally rolled up 10 feet away. Ooh. And uh, it was yeah. like a dream job. But they didn't have really a culinary program. They they didn't do much with food. They were happy doing turkey clubs and Caesar salads. You know, there wasn't really, I came from fine dining. Creativity. Yeah, and it was just yeah. kind of plain Jane. They didn't really need it. They're like, we got the motion, we're it fine. Sells, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, their pitch to me was, it's cool. Eat give these them a slice of pickle, and, will you? Yeah. Shut them up. But, Let them uh, look outside. So yeah. they, they said, you know, hey, we've never had a culinarian in here before, and uh, we... We want you to come in and do what you do and change the program. And I, I tried to do that. And, you know, they said, well, that's, I think that's too fancy or that's too nice uh, and that's too expensive. And I, so really what they wanted was sort of like, you know, a, a Ritz-Carlton experience on a Holiday Inn budget, so to say. And, you know, um, it got tough. So I spent a year and a half there. And I will tell you, I, I missed the corporate, you know, it was a mom, it was a mom and pop owned company. Okay. Um, and I missed the corporate structure. I, I missed Marriott. I was at Marriott for, you know, 20 years and, or well, 12 at that point. And I missed the corporate structure and the audits and the QA and all of those things. So, um, the general manager at the Palm Beach Gardens Marriott, where I was the executive chef, he left there and moved to Columbia, South Carolina. And he was the general manager at the, uh, Columbia Marriott in downtown South Carolina, downtown Columbia. And uh, he called me up and said, hey, I, I need you here. So I, I don't, don't want to move to Columbia, Columbia. South Carolina. I'm, I'm here in the beach. I, I mean, maybe it's Georgia <laughs> and who knows where Georgia is. But right. I, mean, I come to work every day. I watch the, the, the sunrise and dolphins swimming in the ocean. And I don't want to move to landlocked Columbia, Columbia. South Carolina. And uh, so he... Uh, the, re the reality was he couldn't afford me as his chef. And he said, what if I bring you in as the food and beverage director and give you a you know, $20,000 raise? And I said, the hell do I know about beverage? I mean, I know how to drink beverage. I drink quite a bit, but I, what do I know about running a beverage operation? He said, well, you know food, so beverage will be easy. And uh, he brought me in there as the food and beverage director. I remember starting there and they, it was a pretty poor operation. It was failing. And so it was, Cold meatloaf sandwich. Remember that? So they, is that how it was advertised? It was a cold the meatloaf sandwich. No. That's wow. how Where? it was advertised. How? No. Uh, like, that's something but, but weird a, that your uncle eats, like, so after... <laughs> the good thing is you don't really have to ever day, make those because like, no one's ordering that. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> One person's like, this is my favorite thing to eat when I'm drunk. Let's put this on the yeah. menu. Like, what? You know, they followed a corporate direction back then, and somewhere along the line, somebody failed in thinking that this was something that should be on everybody's menu. But, uh, but either way... I love it. Um, I started there and from day one, he sat me down and I ran the food and beverage aspect and we put out a brand new concept and we built a badass bourbon bar and it was a really cool place. Uh, long story short, it ended up being the mold that they rolled out into about 10 other other properties because awesome. it, it worked nice. so well. But for me, it was really the stepping stone that got me to where I am today. He brought me in and he said, listen, you're we're going to talk forecasting and budgeting. And I'm like, well, what does that have to do with food and beverage? He said, well... You want to be a GM someday? And I said, I mean, yeah, that's my goal. He said, you want to take home a 30 or 40% salary bonus or you want to keep screwing around in the kitchen? And I said, well, I think the 
30 or 40 percent salary bonus sounds pretty good yeah so he from day one uh, you know he brought me in as food as and brought me in as his food and beverage director but he taught me sort of the gm role uh from day one and um i spent so i was there four years i spent the first year as the food and beverage director and i spent the next three years as the assistant gm and uh pretty much took over running the place so we moved from New York down to Florida, from Florida to, into Georgia, from Georgia back into Florida, and then we went from Florida up to Columbia, South, South, South Carolina. Carolina. And uh, <laughs> then I got my first opportunity uh, moving up. I mean, I was running the hotel there. He left, and I ran the hotel for probably close to seven months before they brought a, a true GM in by title. And then the hotel sold, and there was an opportunity for me to stay with them or the new ownership company and I didn't want to. I wanted to stay with the company I was with and uh, they offered me three or four different hotels. They said, you know, take a look, see where you want to go. A couple, two were in Nashville, um, which we would have loved to have gone to Nashville, but they uh -huh. were small hotels and I would have been bored. I, he said, well, yeah, but if you're bored, as soon as you're bored, you're ready for another promotion. I'm like, yeah, but I got a wife and three kids and we've already moved enough. And um, so... They offered me two hotels in Nashville. They offered me an embassy suites on the harbor in uh, Maryland and a embassy suites in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, and the embassy suites here in Covington, Kentucky. So we came up here for a week. Spent a week up here getting to learn the hotel. And they basically said, you know, you tell us where you want to go. We got to fill these four positions, whichever one you Regardless, want. Regardless, yeah, whatever it's, it's, you want. You know, it's, I had done well with the company. I'm, you know, I'm pat myself on the back. But things went well, and I had established myself. And they said, you know, you tell us where you want to go. And so we came up here, and we spent a week and tore. We drove around and checked out Cincy and Kentucky. We looked at schools for the kids. And, you know, I have a deaf son. So a school for the deaf was, a, was really the first thing we looked first at priority and always yeah. and so some of the schools and the other at the other hotels and the other areas weren't as beneficial for what we needed um the school for the deaf in kentucky is down in danville um, our son had actually been there prior through his school on different visits and tours for scholar bowls and football teams and so it was sort of a good fit and we fell in love with the area we looked at schools the schools were great the cost of living was good um you know we obviously Bourbon has a close spot in my heart. So, moving, <laughs> bonus. You know, I mean, it, what the thought was never, oh, we'll move to Kentucky. The bourbon trail's right there. But it just, you know, we're driving up on our way here. And the first sign you see before you get to Kentucky is bourbon trail this way. And so it all just, I, I don't know, it all just kind of fell together and fit. And it we, sounds like on the way here, you were enticed to yeah. make the decision. Hey. <laughs> so by the time you arrived here on the, on the banks of the Ohio well, River. Let's go. But, right? yeah, like, so we, we came up here for a week and we just, we checked out everything. I remember we went to see a movie at Newport. Um, we did restaurants. We, we walked across a bridge. We went, I don't remember the name of that place where we got barbecue, that place right across the river the first time we were here. And we just continued to check the place out. So we spent six, seven days here. Um, I did some work at the hotel at, I helped out at the Marriott next door while I was here. They, they needed some help, and the GM from the embassy had me come and help sort of, I guess, a working interview there, which um, worked out great. And so we, we decided this is where we wanted to be. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we, we packed the family up, and we moved up here, and it's been just over th October was three years. So it's just over three years, and I, I took over the role as the GM at the embassy suites here, and it's been it's been 
it's been a good three years. Awesome. Yeah, it's been a yeah. lot of fun. So, you know, that's you say where I'm from. So we we moved around a lot. It was the business. Yeah, it was, um, I know. Intense. I was like, I holy it. mackerel. Yeah. Every every pretty much every <laughs> three or four years we moved. Like I said, we we started in Florida, we went to New York, came back. Yeah. Um, Georgia, we worked in, but we still lived in Jacksonville, and while well, I was commuting there, but. Um, we, we bounced around for quite a bit. So, you know, we've been here three years. We bought and sold our first home back in 06, and we took a beating on it uh, so that we could be together. The, the job that I took when I left Sawgrass and I took the exec chef position in, at the Palm Beach Gardens Marriott, I moved down there and I started working while the family stayed uh, in Jacksonville. We put the home on, house on the market, and, you know, after about a month, five weeks, six weeks apart, it just got too tough for a wife and three kids to be... A couple states away, and so we dropped the price on the house ten thousand a week, and it took about six weeks. So, Ooh. Yeah, yeah, we we probably took about a fifty-ish thousand dollar beating on that, and uh, we have been renting ever since. <laughs> so uh, I think that uh, you know now we we love it up here. We rent, and and you know it always worked with in being moved around in the company and in the business. Renting just made sense, yeah, because we weren't locked to it or tied to it, and. So we have been here three years and have decided the next year, year and a half, maybe two years, it's time to buy a house and we want to stay. We love it up here. So we're so, happy to have yeah. you guys. Maybe no, maybe, sure. maybe no more moving anymore. I don't know. It's old. Oh, but not, uh, no, we, we've moved, you know what? We've moved around a lot, but it, it's been a lot of great experiences. We've made a lot of friends along the way. You know, we still keep in touch with all of the friends from Miami. We still keep in touch with all the friends from Jacksonville, all the friends from Georgia. Um, you know, when you work in the food and beverage business, it, it's, it's high stress, it, it's craziness, and you, you just develop these bonds and these friendships with yeah. people, um, and you be, it becomes like family. People here are great. You know, it's a, I guess for me, like I said, growing up, you get a, as you get a little older, you like things a little, sl- I do at least, a little slower. A little slower. Yeah. It's you know, a little it's a slower, little slower but it's cer- Certainly, it's not New York City. It's not New York. And it's not Miami. And we love it here. So, yeah, we're happy to be here, and I don't think we're going anywhere. Well, our next question That's is, next where question, are you going? Actually, where are you going? Well, nowhere. You know, where are we going? <laughs> we're, we, we want a house on a bunch of land with a farm so yeah. we can sort of set up and she can have a farm to that side and maybe I can have a bourbon making room distillery sort of place on the other side. No, we, <laughs> we are not. I, I don't see us going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, we love it here. We've really made some some great connections, some great friends in the three years we've been here. Um, I can say that this is probably the best off the family has been uh, as a whole in the last fifteen to twenty years. Everything, Every level just, hitting all the marks. Kids, yeah. The kids are good. Schools are good. You know, it's this all is, clicking. Well, um, we're getting to my favorite question. We are at your favorite question. Where are my favorite? It's what's your secret? I don't Anything? know. I, I, I'm a Oh no! What say it? He's not gonna I'm, say I'm it. Pretty wide open. I, I, don't, I don't know about. There you go. Is that what everybody says? Yeah. I'm an open. Wait, really? Then we get to him because my secret. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm a very. It can. It can so be not something a personal weird, or secret. What if it's it a secret? Some people know, but secret, maybe we like don't. Like a pro know. tip, like a secret to success. It could be. No, a secret. A secret. This dude is from Miami. He's got some I secrets. Know. <laughs> Probably secrets. some stuff he can't. I mean, literally secrets. Tell something us. I don't tell somebody. I mean, I yeah, yeah. Grew a boatload of marijuana for many years to get my way through college. See, I, there you go. That's a secret. There you go. 
like uh, my secret of horticulture back in college led me to being kicked out of school and following them around for a year and a half and going to 59 concerts with Pearl Jam. I mean, if that's a secret, but <laughs> yeah, I was a I was a huge Pearl Jam fan. I, their first album came out my senior year of high school, and when I first started experimenting with uh, marijuana and the like, and uh, I don't know, I got in full force. There was my business mind kicked in, and why should I buy marijuana when I can? sell it and smoke it for free but then why should I buy it from someone else to sell it when I can just grow my own and sell it to make more money you're gonna do great in real estate <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I mean call it a secret but yeah I mean we're going there back go. a lot of ways if that's what you call it but yeah I, yeah. I, I something somebody was, wouldn't know about you no I, I, it's you, not yeah. something I share I'm not right. a, I mean it is what it is I'm not right, embarrassed right, by right. it I, you know I, I partake to this day it is what it is but yeah I had uh, 36 plants growing and I harvested close to 40 pounds every four months and turned it into a lot of fun and a lot of drugs in college. That is a Miami staple. <laughs> right. I was like in Miami. Yeah. 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 So I, I guess maybe, Campbell. I mean, that's not something I walk around telling people. Yeah. Right, not, right. I like that. I would so think that would be a good secret. One. It's not something you tell everybody. You we'll mean, call yeah. it a secret, but yeah, it, yeah. It, so it, it led to a lot of good times because yes, I, I was kicked out of school, um, and I took a lot of drugs and a lot of money, and I spent a year and a half torn up and down the East Coast with Pearl Jam. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I don't regret it at all. I kind of wish I did a few things differently. You know, we got into some trouble here and there, some minor things, but nothing major. I never went to jail. I, I never got into, into trouble for it and eventually stopped growing and selling, and now... Just ingest. <laughs> now he's a respectable businessman. Not ecstasy uh, or no, mushrooms. No. Just, no, no, just... no. Well, mushrooms every now and then when they come around, but they're natural. You do them. Yeah. They right, right, right. Go to the bathroom and they're out of you. So. <laughs> Not Listen, that kind you, of. A... You come up through the food and beverage industry. You know, yeah. fun, funny story. The the job that I took at the King or I'm uh, sorry, the White Elephant Resort. So my first true chef's job. Okay, yeah. White Elephant Resort. They had like staff housing that you, you went there for the summer. You lived in the staff housing. But so my first, I will never forget this. My very first day of work, I was so nervous. You know, I'd worked at a lot of different kitchens, but never wearing a chef coat. So this was my first true job wearing a chef coat. So I, I guess my first real chef job. And so my first day I come in and I'm scared as can be. I, I had to be in at, at 10 a.m. And I remember every single bit of it. And I remember coming in, I came in the back door and it's a busy kitchen and we're walking it's a, a the white elephant resort and they have a sister hotel four three and a half blocks up the street called the holiday house and the executive first soon as i come in the executive chef says i need you to do me a favor go down to the holiday house they've got a case of dressing for us that we need for our plated salads tonight all right cool that's what just go in ask for john he's the sous chef he'll take care of you so I go down. Um, this is like my first thing I'm doing for him. Yeah, like, first, I'm like, yeah. yes, chef, I, I got it. So I walk down three and a half blocks and I go into this restaurant. I ask to the, it's another hotel. I ask for the sous chef. He's, oh yeah, John's downstairs. So I go downstairs. John's like, yeah, come on. I got this case of dressing for you. And he opens up the cooler door. We walk into the cooler. He takes three more steps and he turns around and he's got an aluminum foil pipe sort of thing <laughs> oh with 
So this is a sous chef at like this illustrious resort in right. in Nantucket, Massachusetts, and I'm tin foil pipe, tin foil pipe, and he, I don't really know what he's doing. He turns around and he hands it to me, and he blows out smoke. He's like, "Here, hit it," and I'm like, uh, "Okay." And <laughs> so I, uh, I mean, I'm smoking with a sous chef. Like I can't be in trouble, right? So right. This is literally my first day on the job. So I take the hit. He hands me the dressing, and I go back to work, and um going at it in the job and it is it's just in the culture i mean the food and beverage business is you know and i don't know how much has changed now but back then 25 30 years ago it was just heavy drugs and heavy drinking and every job i had doing it i I mean i remember trading steaks as a line cook for beers and we used to smoke dope on the line and blow it up into the into the exhaust system we'd throw a piece of meat into the pan to get it sizzling and smoking and then take a hit so you don't see the smoke because it looks like the meat and yeah, but tricks of the trade. Yeah. Tricks of the trade. That's but yeah, so that funny. was the first, the very first day as a chef in a chef coat, and uh, I was like, "So this is how this industry is, huh?" But uh, funny story. That is so funny. I, I guess if you want to talk about secrets, that's not something I tell everybody. But yeah, that was my very. I will never forget. I mean, I remember walking down the steps. I remember the case of dressing. I remember everything about it. And like, it's, it's super vivid. It's crazy. And like, yeah. Crazy. It's yeah. weird the things you hold on to. Yeah. I mean, that's not something know. that would normally day, hold on to. That would be yeah. something I would I hold mean, on to. That's not something that would normally, I don't know, would happen. Yeah. it was. So uh, I'm sure it would stick it out. It was pretty but. wild. And then, you know, from that point on, it was just, you know, you cook all day and party all night. And, and we did. And uh, it continued for quite a long time. And then, you know, I went back to New York City. And, I, I, I mean, God, I remember taking the subway and I lived out on Long Island and I used to take the train into work or take the subway and we used to smoke before we got on the subway we'd go to work we'd take a lunch break we'd smoke we'd smoke before we'd take the subway home it was just it was just a sort of a part of the food and beverage business to me I didn't know anything from it before that but mm-hmm. gotta stay hungry <laughs> well that <laughs> there you go right <laughs> yeah so I I saw a lot of a lot of crazy things uh, in New York City coming up through New York City kitchens. I, I one of the the corporate caterer I worked at was a basement kitchen, and it was right by the South Street Seaport. And it was just just some wild times. You 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 know you it was a corporate job, so it ended every day at like three o'clock. And it was Monday through Friday, so I used to get out at Friday on on a Friday at three o'clock with a paycheck in New York oh, City, yeah. single guy, massage parlors, drug bins. There was all. Back when New York was still fun. Yeah. Before before Giuliani did what he did to it, yes, absolutely. It and was, also probably more dangerous. Absolutely. But other than that, you know, secrets. I'm I'm pretty open book. I, I mean, I am. I, this is me. You, you you don't like me for who I am. I don't give. A I shit. love it because everybody. A lot of the people we've oh, talked to is open the, book. I'm so open. Open book. I, I don't really have. But maybe it's like, just the people oh, we talk to. You, know, you got something people don't know about on the regular. No, Maybe it's that. I, I yeah. don't have sex with donkeys. I don't molest kids. I don't do anything. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, I think we've reached our last question. Right. It's a question for everybody. Yes. What's the last thing you learned? The last thing I learned. Mm-hmm. Um, the last... You know what? I, I, not, not, I don't want to make it sad but the last thing I learned and I guess it kind of ties it all in is is just not taking any minute for granted I recently had a I guess sort of a I don't know that it was a life changing event but it certainly opened my eyes I was in a car accident 
three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, and oh. I probably should have died, um, and I didn't, and um, I'm thankful and grateful to be alive, and I, I like to think I don't take anything for granted, but if I did then, I certainly don't now, and I'm grateful for every minute, and I don't want to say that I, I, maybe I didn't learn it, but it certainly opened my eyes. It's like a relearn. Yes, and it opened my eyes to it. Right. And, you know, nothing is, tomorrow is just not promised. Yep. And, you know, tell your loved ones you love them and, and you know, cherish every minute. You know, I, I was getting on to 75 North a couple Saturdays ago, and I was ironically going to pick up a barrel of bourbon and... Uh, a barrel. A barrel. A, a barrel, yes. And it was raining, and I got on the highway and 75 North at, right before Turfway, as soon as I got on the highway, car hydroplane, I spun a couple times all the way across three lanes of 75 North. I slammed into the median, and somehow I hit no other cars. Crazy. And I should have probably been a pinball yeah. and just can't even imagine. And the car hit, and it hurt a little, but I was okay. And, um, you know, it, it, it just it, it puts things into perspective. That's a busy I, section I, of highway, too. Yeah, not that any uh, section's not busy, it's but it's a... Yeah. I don't know how I did not hit. And someone's like, oh, it's great driving. I had no control. The car was spinning. <laughs> I was turning the wheel. I, it was going this way and that way. I have no idea. But, you know, at, at, when all was said and done, I, I walked away from it somehow. And, you know, the car was totaled. And I didn't go to the hospital. I had, you know, some sore and some bruises. Right, like but, whiplash. But yeah. My, yeah, minor. And But, you know, it just it kind of puts things into perspective. And it you know, like I said, I don't know if you want to call it learning, but certainly relearning that. Yeah. Just don't take every, anything for granted. And, you know, it all, it falls all tight, kind of all of it, you know, just live life and enjoy people and, and experiences and, and all the things that come with it. And, uh, that was a good one. It's like, I like the idea. I mean, we've hit on it several times that, that things can just change like that. Yep. Right. So while it's terrifying, it's also really freeing. Yeah. We just never know, you know. You yeah. you take one step this way, or you know, one turn that way, and you just timing. Yeah. You just you never know, and you know. I again, I, don't, I hate to be cliche, but it's just you just never know when it's your time, and you you have no control over it. And you know, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason, and uh, you know, it, clearly that day it just wasn't my time, and I. I you know, my, I don't know if there was an angel watching over me or I, I step, I, I run it through my head. It's, you know, very fresh in my head. It was only four weeks ago. Right. I, don't, I don't even like driving in that area of the highway anymore. I've still kind of avoided it, especially when it's raining. I don't take the highway, but uh, it, it, it could have certainly ended very differently. There, yeah. It could have, and uh, so you, you learn, you go through something like that, you learn very quickly to, to appreciate everything you have every minute of every day. There's no doubt about it. Mine is not as, ex as I don't know, life-affirming as that. I don't know what the <laughs> word is. Not as deep. No, mine is a new, right before, earlier today, learned of a new possible client. Hey. Right? Just stumbled upon it, kind of. Just met a person who was, yeah, I was in the mindset of always, I don't know, always thinking about real estate. Thinking, I don't know, always Making those connections. Making those connections and... Talking to strangers. I was just having a conversation, like an open conversation, like picking... I bought something off the Facebook marketplace and I was just picking it up and I connected with her and we were talking for a while and then she told me why she was clearing out her house and then bam, it went from there and there I was, you, go. you know, so making, we'll see. Making connections. Yeah. Making connections That's all awesome. over the place. 
Mike, you got one? Last thing you learned, huh? I feel like I'm in the process of learning it, but I'm going to go ahead and use this one. Okay, let's do it. So it is well known by listeners of the podcast and people in this room that I've been doing the TikTok thing. Yes, I love it. So I I bought like a bunch of lighting and video equipment (laughs) to make better videos. So you're learning so how to use all that stuff? I'll be setting up like a studio in the basement of my house. Can you do it in my Is there a casting couch? <laughs> What's that? Is there a casting couch in that studio? <laughs> no. Um, the, the, bed, the bed is adjacent, so we're going to skip uh, the extra couch. Um, That's very cool. It's, it's exciting. And it's I'm using TikTok as an excuse, but we're going more into video. We're going more into stuff like that, so... I've been pricing like a 4K camera. What's TikTok? What's TikTok? TikTok is a, is it's a social media app. Okay. But it's geared towards video and it's really popular with very a cool. younger demographic. That's uh, cool. It's it's exciting and it's a big learning curve, but I'm using that as an excuse to expand into video stuff that um, I will use in other ways. So yeah, if you yeah. want to come on the show, <laughs> Send us an email at no one special podcast at gmail.com or join the Facebook group. Same thing, no one special podcast Facebook yep. group. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, if you don't want to reach us either of those two ways, I don't know what to tell you. But you should definitely reach out to us. Come on down to Oh, Mace, come to Pivot Mainstrass. There you go. 9, 9, 9 a.m. on Fridays. Yeah, we've always said if, you're, if we're not here, just go do something else because yeah. we're not yeah. doing it that day. <laughs> cool. Yeah, go talk to some strangers.